just goes with the Dale Sheely maxim, engage your brain. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 122. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Choi. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. We are in week 35 of our cross-training series here. Again, we're continuing our conversation about watchfulness. And on this episode, it's going to be a battle-centric episode, talking about <laughs> resisting the devil. The little boys in us are all going to be kind of jumping out on this one. Oh, for sure. I remember I had a aunt that did not like for her son to play with guns and he would chew his peanut butter sandwich into the shape of a gun. Oh man. That's like life finds a way, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to glorify violence here, but I've been envisioning myself as a warrior from the very youngest age, whether it was a police <laughs> officer or carrying a sword or a soldier or, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, my favorite song was I'm in the Lord's Army. There's something about that that just in good ways and bad ways brings out something in us as I think most guys at least. But it, it's it's really helpful and has been since I was young to orient my thinking about spiritual things around this idea of warfare. And it took me a while to properly understand the real fight we're in, but I think it brings resolve and courage and perspective. And it just helps me understand my life better when I realize that everything, every aspect of my life, my work, my parenting, my everything is in the context of a moral, spiritual battle and me having the character that I'm meant to have. Yeah, and not to alienate our female listeners here on the episode, obviously, <laughs> but you think about Ephesians chapter 6 and the spiritual armor that we're supposed to be wearing, and this picture of battle is core and Fighting the enemy really is what this episode is all about, resisting the devil. So let's get into our first segment here on the episode, and that is like the teacher. We're going to go somewhere where Jesus shows us about resisting the devil. And we've covered this section on the podcast before, but Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, it's hard not to go to Jesus' temptations here in this conversation because yeah. Jesus in the wilderness did three times at least resist the devil and so what can we learn from his story here as he was led up by the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness, which I can't even imagine going without food for that long. And Satan comes to him and tempts him. The first temptation, he says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Obviously, as a hungry person there in the wilderness, that was tempting to Jesus. But his response Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the second temptation, the devil takes him to Jerusalem and puts him on the top of the temple and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And Jesus responds, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the third time, the devil tempts him by taking him up to a tall mountain, showing him all of the nations of the earth. And saying, if you fall down and worship me, I'll give all of these nations to you. And Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And before every response, Jesus prefaced everything that he was about to say with, it is written. And so the devil eventually leaves. Jesus is successful in standing up against the devil. And so I guess, what do you learn here from this temptation that Jesus goes through in the wilderness? 
I think we see that Satan tries to give us enough rope to hang ourselves uh, over and over again. I was looking at this account with Jesus and then also looking this week at the account in Genesis 3 of the serpent's conversation with Eve. And it's amazing how Satan tries to just cloud the mind. I was just with a couple brothers at a coffee shop recently. We got together to talk about our favorite movies. And I brought up a movie that they hadn't seen called Rope. Do you have you ever seen that? It's oh, a yes. Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Such a <laughs> weird movie. It's one of those continuous shots movies, you know, yeah. that these college students have rationalized killing someone in this movie using the philosophy lessons they've learned from Jimmy Stewart, their professor. And it's really a portrait, a parable maybe, about how intellectual arrogance and twisted logic can justify anything we want to do. And just looking at those two accounts, the temptation with Jesus and the temptation of Eve, the conversations are really cunningly weaved by Satan. And Jesus shows how the devil can be outwitted. And Eve, on the other hand, shows how we can get sucked into his blurring of lines and the way that he misconstrues the truth and helps us, allows us to really get all pretzeled, tangled up, you know, in our own (laughs) thinking. And I I just think about conversations I've had with myself where I've justified things or where I've rationalized, like not speaking up about something or not all, all kinds of things. And it looks like good logic. Satan really comes off like he's reasoning with Jesus, like he's reasoning with Eve and even using good sources. He relies on what you say. He builds on Eve's recounting of God's words and seizes on little details. He quotes God to convince Jesus or try to convince Jesus to do evil. It's no wonder we get so good at self-justifying, at confirming our own wrong biases, at confirming our own wrong biases just at talking ourselves into the wrong things sometimes or allowing ourselves to smooth over the discomfort we might have in our conscience when the master of line blurring is trying to mess with us all the time. And it's not to say, well, the devil made me do it and justify our (laughs) self-justifying, but we need to recognize that we're weak on our own when we don't hold on to the Lord. And then We have someone who is tempting us, who is trying to lead us down that wrong path. And so it just illustrates the very cunning, crafty tactics that he uses, I think. He certainly is crafty. And so as I was thinking about this story, I was thinking about how Satan is really leading us to this temptation. But what is he doing? What is he appealing to? Is he appealing to my head or to my heart? And from here, obviously, we see Jesus in kind of a weakened physical state as he's been fasting for 40 days. And the very first temptation, at least, is an appeal to Jesus' physical needs and his cravings for food. Obviously, he's got to be hungry at this point. And so as Satan is trying to tempt him with turning stones into bread, the bread has to sound really good at this point. He's not necessarily trying to appeal to his logic or his reasoning sense because clearly Jesus is able to deal with that. But he's really trying to latch on to Jesus' heart and his cravings, his emotions. Like, what do you really want, Jesus? And I think recently we talked in episode 119 about following our heart. 
and how sometimes that's like this Disney ideal that our mm-hmm. society wants to give to us. Like, just follow your heart. Do what makes you feel good. And that's what Satan seems like he's doing here to Jesus. I'm sure we've all just turned our brains off and followed our desires at times. Like, I've done that. I've just shut off my brain. I've stopped thinking about something and whatever felt good or whatever seemed right to my emotional side. But I think rather than giving into those cravings, what we see Jesus doing here is thinking logically. He's actually reasoning with the devil, but he's going beyond what the devil's logic seems to indicate, and he's going back to truth. He's going back to what's actually real. And like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, with the temptation, God will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Jesus is looking for the way of escape. He's not being led by his emotions. He's not being led by his cravings. He's actively looking for the way of escape. He's looking for the truth that leads him out of this situation. And so I guess for me, it's just a reminder that like when my strong emotions get involved in something, that is more often than not the time where I'm going to be misled, distracted from actually looking at the way out or the truth of the situation. When I start feeling deeply about something, I need to pray about it. I need to study about it. And as my dad always used to say, I need to engage my brain. (laughs) Get your brain involved as Jesus was doing here. He's rationally, logically going back to the word of God, back to scripture and saying it is written. It's interesting, you know, you talk about your heart and your brain and you think about objective and subjective Mm -hmm. thinking. And I think a part of this, it's kind of interesting, is the importance of sound Bible interpretation and exegesis. Because here we find Satan, the biblical interpreter, (laughs) Satan, (laughs) the one who is trying to expound on Scripture and preach to Jesus what he should do from the Scriptures. Yeah. It's just not good exegesis, which is a big word for bringing out what the text was actually saying, what God actually wanted to be taken from the text. He is misapplying it. And so we have to, whenever we're interpreting scripture, like you said, engage your brain there so that you are trying to find what God really wanted us to take from it objectively in context and then apply it to your own situation right. and do that with a sound mind and a sound heart. And our heart can lead us astray even in biblical interpretation. I tell you, it's happened to me where I wanted to believe something and the scriptures just weren't saying it. And Satan uses that. Satan actually uses the scriptures and our misinterpretation of it. Just goes with the Dale Sheely maxim, engage your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's just burned into me now from hearing it so many times growing up. All right. So let's get into our next segment here on the episode. And that is a new segment that we're calling The A-Team. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire The A-Team. So we are starting out this new segment here on the episode, and we've been talking about gamifying things recently, just turning things into into a game. A couple episodes ago, we were playing this game where we were trying to figure out the 
spiritual superpowers. We're going back to the draft, I think, in this episode, picking our A-team. It is fantasy football time. It is fantasy football time. Yeah, absolutely. With the A-team on this episode, we're going to pick our resistance all-stars. If you had to pick a few people to be on your team who just showed the greatest resistance against the devil... We're going to pick our top three. So I guess we should start this thing off. One of us needs to go first. Let's flip a coin. What do you want to pick, heads or tails? Heads. All right. Alexa, flip a coin. Heads. All right. It's heads. Hey. You get to go first. I liked Alexa. All right. My first pick is Job. Oh, nice. Job, who got through. He persevered. He didn't know that he was being tried with super ferocity from... (laughs) the adversary, and yet he stood strong, not perfectly, but strong. And then he got to the other side and he saw the Lord in these challenges. And I I just think somebody who made it through, saw the other side, I would want him on my team. I'd want him advising me and the rest of our team about how he got through. Uh, So that was the first one on my list. First person I typed down whenever I was making my list. I have a list of like seven or eight here, and Job was yeah. not even on my list. So, oh wow, I'm, I'm clearly in a very different place in my list. <laughs> obviously, I, I than love yours. this because it's a wide open enough topic that you it can sure go a is. lot of ways. So, who's your first pick? So, my first pick is actually going to be three picks. Oh, I wanted to do that too. That is on my list. Okay, so it's Hananiah, Mishael. And Azariah, also known Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> That's a good one. It's really good. They have a couple of different scenarios in which they resist the devil. And we see this really in Daniel chapter one, where they are refusing the king's food. And so they decide we're not going to eat the food that the king wants to offer us and defile ourselves in that way. And they stand up and they say, no, we're going to eat our own vegetables and our own food that God has told us to eat. And then obviously the most familiar one in chapter three of Daniel, as they are thrown into the fiery furnace for not bowing down to this altar that the king wanted them all to bow down to. We see just such a great example in these three young men. And I love how they're able to stand in the midst of just a totally different environment than they're used to. They're able to stand out as good examples for the Lord and everything that they do. I love it. Plus, you get three and one. I mean, oh, yeah. come on, oh, yeah. strength in numbers. But <laughs> yeah, that moment where they just are willing to do whatever it takes, knowing God might deliver us. Yeah. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stand where I stand. And that is resistance against the devil. All right. So since you've already bent the, the <laughs> rules just a little bit with okay. three and one, there's no rule against this. We just said, obviously, Jesus isn't allowed yes, on anybody's the, team. We should have said he's, that Jesus is clearly yeah. <laughs> not allowed on anyone's team. He's I mean, on everyone's team. He's on team. everybody's team, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's always present. But I am going to go with the archangel, Michael. Oh, okay. That's that's close. I mean, it's not Jesus. We never said it had to be human. So (laughs) this is someone who fought against the dragon, the Mm. devil and his angels in Revelation 12. There was a great war and he fought against him. There is a story in Jude 9 where the archangel Michael is contending with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses. We find him in the book of Daniel advocating for Israel. And I just think here's somebody who's gone toe to toe 
with the devil. I want him on my team. That's good. Yeah, I wouldn't have even thought of that ever. <laughs> you could have given me like a week and I wouldn't have thought of Michael the Archangel. But uh, yeah, you've got angelic beings on your team. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Job and Michael, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I like how these teams are forming so far. Who's your second pick, Brian? All right, so I was going to go kind of obscure but instead, I'm going to go with the super obvious one here, because if you ain't going to pick him, I'm going to pick him, and I'm going to pick Joseph. Oh, he Joseph. was next on my list. Yes. That's that's so good. Yep. Yeah. So Joseph clearly is somebody who had a hard life. I mean, he was his father's favorite for quite a while, but then his brothers got involved and really just made his life completely terrible. And he finds himself, though, in these situations, especially in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, Verses 7 through 12, he's a good manager of Potiphar's house, but Potiphar's wife has some interest in Joseph. And so she's trying to get Joseph to lie with her. As a young man, I think this would be hard, really, for Joseph to control himself in this way. But Joseph stands up in integrity and in purity against lying with her. And so eventually has to run away without his clothes. So standing against the devil, I mean, just running away is such a great example for all yeah. of us, especially in these kind of sexual trials and temptations that he had. Yeah, yeah. Flee youthful lust, yeah. Paul says to Timothy. And it's another example like Job of someone who not only made it through all of those individual trials, but then saw from the other side how God was able to use all of these moments for good. And I think that's helpful, again, as we think about resisting and how even when you choose the right thing, it sometimes feels like the devil's winning. Yeah, Joseph could have felt like a victim of his own right choices because he's thrown in jail for resisting temptation, and yet God uses all of it for good. Probably should be a number one draft pick for one of us and um, first ballot Hall of Famer in the Resistance Hall of Fame. So really good pick. Boy, it's it's getting tough here. My last pick, I think I'm going to go with the other side, someone who fell to temptation as well as stood in moments of temptation and trial. And that is... Peter, that could have, even with that description, could have gone a few different ways, right? Yeah. You know, Jesus talked to Peter about how Satan wanted to sift him like weed, and he had Jesus praying for him. At one point, Jesus calls Peter Satan, get behind me, Satan, because what Peter was saying could have come from the mouth of the devil. I mean, he was he was going against God's purposes, and yet after he denies him three times, we see this beautiful restoration, we see this change in Peter, where he always had a desire to serve God, but he became more and more fortified in his resolve. He stood against persecution, against all kinds of trials. We're not going to obey the Sanhedrin's voice, no matter what you do to us, beat us all you want. We have to do what's right. And then it's Peter who famously writes in First Peter 5, 8 about the devil being like a roaring lion yeah. prowling about seeking someone to devour. So he was aware of the battle that he was at the forefront of all his life. That's such an interesting pick, too, because I thought about picking Peter and then I veered away from it because Peter lost his battle with Satan, mm -hmm. at least on a couple of occasions. But I still think that's a good pick because he has experience. He's gotten beat down by the devil and he's able to, on the other side of it, teach us a lesson from his own experience, which 
I think is always good when you have somebody who's got some experience with the enemy. Peter definitely had that for sure. Yeah, I think not many of us in the list of people, even you go through the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, which is something I did as I was thinking about this list. uh, There's not many that you're going to find that even just recorded in biblical history, you don't find them falling at some point. And there's no perfect person besides Jesus. And so I think that If you can use those things Mm -hmm. to grow stronger, to learn lessons from your failures as well as your victories, it's just going to make you stronger in the resistance. All right. So I'm going to wrap this thing up with my last pick here. And I picked three people in my first pick. So I'm going to pick a whole bunch of people in my last pick. And that's going to be the Thessalonian believers. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> so Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, he's writing to the Thessalonians sort of anxious about them. He's saying when he couldn't even bear it any longer, he had to find out about their faith. He obviously he had to leave and he wasn't able to spend as much time with them as he wanted to. And so he had to find out how they were doing after he left. So he sent Timothy there to go find out about them. And he was afraid, he says there, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. That was his big concern for them. Look, I am, I'm so concerned that after I've gone, Satan came in and tempted you and just took all this work that I'd done and made it for nothing. And it turned out after he had sent Timothy that the good news that their faith and their love was reported and that they were doing great. For the Lord. I think we see here this church really being established on a solid and firm foundation, standing firmly against the temptations that come their way. You are really going with strength in numbers here. <laughs> I, I like it. The Thessalonians are such a great example in so many ways. Paul describes them as being this example that the word of the Lord is sounding forth from them in the the first chapter. They are not having it easy. They've gone through difficulties, and yet they are standing strong and standing in the face of the tempter. You think about the individuals that go unnamed that we don't know within that group, whether it was a church of eight people or a church of 100 people, there are individuals who faced countless trials in that church and they stood strong against the evil one. All right. So you've got your team, Job, Michael, the archangel and Peter. I've got Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, Joseph and all the Thessalonian believers. Man, I've got a ton of people on my team. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) It's an intimidating horde, even with an archangel and an apostle on my side here. (laughs) So that's our first A-Team segment, so thanks for tuning in for that. If you've got picks that we didn't talk about on the episode, you should let us know. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to hear what you have chosen as your A-Team. And so let's get into our next segment here on the episode, and that is Through the Week. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. So here we are. We're talking about five challenges that we're going to do this week, and we encourage you to do them along with us. This week, we're focused on resisting the devil. And so our first challenge is a reading challenge here on the episode. Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11, which we talked about earlier. Genesis 3, verses 1 to 15. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. James 4, verses 4 to 10. And Revelation 12, verses 1 to 17. And we've already talked about it on the episode, but I was thinking about Genesis 3. I love here how we see the tactics of the devil and the way he takes little changes which make 
for big impacts in the lives of people. And like you talked about last week, signal strength and noise. I think about that game of telephone when everybody sits around in a circle and, you know, they start with a message and it passes from one person to the next person to the next person. And slowly it gets like morphed into something that it shouldn't be or it never was intended to be in the beginning. By the end of it, the message is totally changed and it's unintelligible. That's kind of what we see Satan doing here. He's not making some big, giant, grand attack against Eve. He's just changing one word. He's adding one word. He's just rationalizing or trying to appeal to her emotions just in a small, small way. And so we see the destructive impact, though, of even such a small change saying you will not surely die. I mean, that may not seem like a huge deal to us, but it is absolutely critical in changing Eve's decisions to follow the Lord God or not. And as Jesus described in John 8, verse 44, he does not stand in the truth, speaking of Satan, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You said he was the father of line blurring. He is the father (laughs) of lies as well. And just being on the lookout for what is true. How do I define truth? How does God define truth? How these little changes can lead me to the opposite conclusion than what God actually wants me to do. One of the things I noticed him doing with Eve is he asks her to recount what God says. And you can see that she's already playing a little fast and loose with the details. Here's kind of what he said. And he just jumps in and he... He messes with it, and Mm -hmm. there is a way in which you can see maybe some kind of a twisted kind of truth in some of what he says, and the father of lies wants to twist everything, including God's truth, the spiritual truth that God shows us and helps us to see, but all of these things need to be anchored in clear lines, not blurred lines, and in clear truth. And going with that, the reflect challenge is asking ourselves, how has Satan tried to attack me lately? And you don't have to share that with other people, but I'm going to share with you guys how (laughs) Satan has been attacking me lately. I think when I've had a spare moment, instead of pausing and taking time, making time to think through things, to pray through things, to really reflect on things that need to be considered or to talk about things, I have allowed myself at times to numb with distraction, spiritual, emotional, relational issues. For me, it's it's not, you know, some people may be numb with drugs or with alcohol or with things like that. For me, Mm. I can just as easily numb by listening to a podcast. (laughs) I can just as easily numb by turning on the TV, just distracting myself. And so as I've become more aware of it recently, then I've forced myself to break out of that. And it's, it's really changed the way I deal with different situations, allowed me to confront things. And that numbing often comes whenever I'm overwhelmed with tasks, with concerns. And I think as I get overwhelmed, then Satan tries to seize the opportunity when I let myself get exhausted. It's like a three-part strategy that I'm starting to notice (laughs) of the overwhelming, the numbing, and the seizing. And so just being aware of it and calling on the Lord to help and fighting against it. And that's really the focus of this episode, of course. But it's such an obvious but critical part of it is you can pray about it, you can know about it, but then you have to fight against these things and just take your stand and keep pushing and persevering 
like those resistance all-stars we talked about. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing the details of that because I think for all of us, you're not going to be able to fight against something until you really know what's actually happening. For us to really kind of step back and get some perspective and see what Satan is doing, then we can really take action against it and resist the devil in those moments. And I guess that leads into our request challenge, which is to pray to the Lord this week, Lord, may I stand in the strength of your might today. And that's based on Ephesians 6 verse 10. It's just a reminder that I'm only so strong. And I think about strength I don't know why, but I immediately think about how I'm the designated jar opener in my house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, so I, that's that's a dad job, right? I suppose it is, right? If, when there's a jar or some bottle that needs to be opened, I, I'm usually the one who's going to try to open it when the girls hand it to me. But sometimes I can't open that jar on my own. Sometimes I have to sheepishly go and use the <laughs> the jar opener because I just I can't open it by myself. And so I think about that spiritually, though. Sometimes I've got to use another tool and mm-hmm. I need to be the one to realize that I'm not capable of doing it. I'm not capable of taking care of this situation. And when, when it comes to standing against sin, leaning on my own willpower, leaning on my own wisdom is really not enough. Like I am not going to be able to stand firmly against the devil with my own ability alone. And so the ultimate power to resist the devil, it comes from God and not me, which is what Ephesians 6 is talking about being strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. And so prayerfully calling on God to give me strength, letting go of my pride to think that I'm strong enough somehow to handle Satan's attacks, I think that's going to be a good mental reset for me through the week. You feel like this is my job. Like I said, this is a dad job. And I (laughs) need to come in on the white horse as the knight who can... With my bare strength, dad strength, open this thing. And then, like, you're banging it on the ground. It's still not, you know, you're trying to get that loosening corner. It's still not working. All right, I'm, I'm going to get out that jar opener that any one of us could have used and, and <laughs> use that. And I guess that brings us to our respond challenge. And this is where we invite all of us to take a step, an action step, to move towards greater resistance of the devil. And what we're suggesting is that we all ask a friend if you can pray for each other to have strength in trial today. That's good. And it really speaks to the power in partnership, right? There's the, this moment in the last Star Wars movie that Adrian has brought this up a lot since we saw it. It really struck a chord for both of us. The bad guys seem so big and powerful towards the end. There's this giant force and everyone who wants freedom feels like you know, who am I? I'm a single person out in a corner of the universe. But eventually everyone starts to realize that if enough little individuals stand up, then they are strong. They start appearing to this battle. Ships come from all over the galaxy and that true rousing Star Wars form. John Williams score is soaring in the background. (laughs) And there's this character that sums up the lesson of all of this, I think, as she says, that's how they win, by making you think you're alone. I think this is just such a great quote. It's, uh, I guess, obvious in a way that that is how evil tries to win. And we have to know that we have others with us in the fight. Peter, in his first epistle, in that verse I mentioned earlier about describing Satan as a roaring lion, the verse right after that, he says, you got to remember You're in it with a bunch of other people who are going through the same experience as you are. And, of course, James says to confess to each other and to pray for each other. 
And even if your friend doesn't know any details of your struggle, you can let them know you're in a struggle and you can ask for prayers and support. And it really does make a difference. So I love this challenge. I love that it's mutual. It's not just, hey, can you do this for me? It's, can we do this for each other? Because we all need it. And that mutuality, that one another aspect of the church is a core part of how we stand together against the devil. It makes me think about warriors versus soldiers. I don't know if you've ever thought about the difference between warriors and soldiers. A warrior is usually the one who goes out there alone and he's like the one guy. I kind of think of him as like Samson, you know, but then you have like mm. the soldiers who they're part of a whole army. They're they're out there along arm in arm side by side with their other fighters and you just are not going to be strong enough alone as a warrior, but as a soldier, part of a larger army, I think you really do find more strength. And I think that's what you're saying here is that we have this strength in numbers. And I guess that kind of leads to this last question, this reach out challenge, which is a conversation that you can have with somebody else leaning on each other for strength and support, asking this question, what has helped you overcome temptation? And so what's helped you overcome temptation? I mean, I guess I've already kind of alluded to getting real. Yeah. You know, most temptations for me don't come out of the blue. Like, wow, I never thought I could have had difficulty with that. Where did that, you know, <laughs> these are things that I've been tempted by or difficulties, places I've slipped or things I've not done. You know, I mean, sometimes it's laziness, lust impatience, irritability, anger, saying the wrong thing. The things that show up are things that I was a 19-year-old having difficulty with. And as a 40-something person, I still have those challenges. So I, I think having real conversations with others and with God, which forced me to be real with myself, is just this, this critical part of it. And when I feel exposed and I don't numb and I don't run and hide and I don't justify. I think I put myself in a situation to properly wrestle with change before God, seeking God's help. And, and it leads me to, like you said, change the situations, but also to have new clarity, new resolve, new faith, and to have new ownership and accountability. So I, I think honesty and accountability and being open with myself with others, and with the Lord. I think as you really start to think about the devil being the father of lies, what is going to be the biggest weapon we have against those lies is the truth. And yeah. I think what you're really saying is just this self-truth, this getting real with myself, is something we always need to be wrestling with because it is so easy for us to cloud our mind and blur the lines and convince ourselves of things. And when we are in that raw and vulnerable state, I think we've got a much better chance of addressing things truthfully and accurately rather than just glossing over it and ignoring it. Yeah. So as you think about this question and, and your temptations, what has helped you to overcome? I mean, I think for me, it's kind of getting to the source or hitting Satan's temptations where they start, kind of like the breeding ground of temptation for me. We've had like, I don't know, our monsoons here. We actually had rain here in Phoenix over the past month, it's been kind of a tropical area out here with all the rain that we've had. So there are like mosquitoes everywhere now in full force in Phoenix. And how do you get rid of mosquitoes? It's not by like finding all the mosquitoes and killing them all one by one, but it's going to their breeding grounds, right? It's like finding the standing water, attacking them where they 
are born, where, where they come from. And I've had personally much more success standing strong against temptation when I've gotten back to the source of what's going on. It, it's so easy for me. It's so tempting for me to try to address the leaves of the issue or the branches of the issue rather than to go back to the root of the issue. And so like Paul talks about in Romans 13, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's like, don't even make any room for the devil, for temptation. And when I've really done better at that, I think it's been because I've gone back to the source. I've gone back to trying to figure out where do these things start? And so removing the standing water from my life has been super helpful, Mm -hmm. like stopping myself during a particularly negative thought that I'm able to interrogate why I'm thinking that, why I'm in that thought process. And then to replace that thought process has been helpful, like filling my time with good things when I could otherwise be idle. I think idleness is a huge problem and just making sure that I'm staying busy, doing things that are productive. There are all kinds of things that at the root of it, if I get to the root of it, it's a lot easier to deal with what's going on. But when I'm getting attacked on every side by like all the mosquitoes, it feels just an impossible task to deal with that. It's another just awesome illustration. You're (laughs) you're throwing out gold here, man. We've been getting eaten alive by mosquitoes lately. And just now every time I itch at my ankle and the huge bite I have there, it's going to remind me to deal with the standing water in my life. What a great illustration. You have to get rid of the breeding ground because you can only spray so much (laughs) mosquito spray on you. You can't, you know, every time you go out, they're everywhere. And so the way to address it is to get rid of as many of those places in your life, in your yard, so to speak, where sin has the opportunity to grow. Yeah. All right. So that's been a whole conversation here on the episode about resisting the devil. Obviously, we've been talking about watchfulness. So how are we going to wrap up this conversation of watchfulness on the next episode? Yeah. The last piece of this discussion is about wisdom, about living skillfully, dealing with people and situations in our life in an understanding way, watchful and aware of exactly what's going on, keeping our eyes open and choosing well, making good decisions. So excited about that big, important subject and putting that together into some kind of a a 40-minute episode. (laughs) We'll see if we can make that happen. No promises. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode in your podcast player of choice or at BibleGeeks.fm slash 122. You can also follow along this cross-training series there on our website as well. And if you want to shoot us a message and ask us anything you want to hear about on an upcoming episode, we'd love to get in touch with you. There's a contact form there on our website as well. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.